you're listening to the Red Diamond Courier, an Elder Scrolls podcast. Here are your hosts, Bob Chichinsky and Dog Bark 24. Welcome everyone to episode 111 of the Red Diamond Courier. I am here with you as always, your host, Bob Chichinsky, with my good, good friend and co-host, DogBark24. My dude, it's the ones episode. Are you excited? Yeah, I'm so excited. Um, I can tell. I I feel the excitement emanating from you, honestly. Yeah, episode 111. You know, this is only the second time. Yes, uh, we did try to pull this off once and kind of kind of messed that up by not recording the, you know, us talking part of the podcasting, which is kind of important, but it's okay because we are here uh, this time. You guys might be getting this a day late now, but um, we are excited as always to be here. And ready to knock this freaking episode out for you guys. Patch Notes episode. We're so excited. It's our first Patch Notes episode of the year. We only get four of them. So, you know, they're our favorites. It's one of the things that we really wanted to focus on when we started a podcast. We want to do PvE. We want to do Patch Notes. We want to do Dungeons. So... This is definitely like a big one for us, and we're super excited for it. We're going to be talking the Scribes of Fate Dungeon DLC, which released last week on PC, releases next week on console. We can't wait for it. We're waiting for it on console this time. And Update 37, which has brought all kinds of uh, interesting changes to our favorite game, Elder Scrolls Online. So... Without further ado, we're going to get right into it. Dogged, do we have any kind of Cyrodiil PvP updates from uh, these patch notes? Yeah, uh, the first one is uh, Mara's Bomb. This set got a little bit of a nerf. Uh, They reduced the healing to this set to 1106, down from 1675, to peel back some of its passive healing potential. So it's, you know, a little bit of a nerf, but it's still a pretty solid set for uh, people that use it still, so. Yeah, I recently joined a PvP guild, and I see a lot of their, like, Discord things popping off, even though, you know, I haven't really actually played with them, like, enough, or, you know, I want to, but, you know, anyways, I see their Discord things. And it's like, boom, 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 a lot of the people have been talking about Mars Bombs, so... Definitely a big one. I'll be interested to see what this uh, kind of nerf does as far as that community just in general, just to kind of gauge where it goes for PvP. But, I mean, it does seem like a bit of a nerf. Maybe not too significant, but I don't know. It is a, what, like, not quite 50%. What is it, like a 30% nerf? Yeah. About that. Yeah. I don't know. Math is hard. Yeah, about 30%. Perfect. So, 
What else do we got, dog? Alright, there's also a uh, new rewards of the worthy sets. How many? Would you say there's several of them? No, I would say there's a few of them. Mmm. I don't know about that, man. Where I grew up, several means three. Personally. That's the thing. That's what a few is, not that. Several is like seven. You know, several, (laughs) seven. That's the common mistake, I believe. I think... A few, okay, a few is three, and several is three to five. How about that? No, no, no. (laughs) So this was our uh, debate backstage of um, several new rewards of the worthy sets. The dog says several is not three. I say it is, so... You guys feel free to weigh in on that debate um, on dialogue, but regardless... Us goofing around, we got some new rewards of the reset, and uh, yeah, dog. How about this light set, man? The snakes. All right, for a snake in the stars, uh, this will give you magic recovery, max magica, uh, weapon and spell damage, and then its fifth piece passive gives you more magic recovery, and it reads. Applying a major or minor debuff to an enemy, apply a star venom. For four seconds. This effect can occur once every 12 seconds with a cooldown of 12 seconds. Whenever an enemy with Star Venom is healed, they take 1170 Oblivion damage up to once per 100 milliseconds. An enemy can only be affected by one instance of Star Venom at a time. So, this is definitely an interesting set. Um, If you pair this up with Plague Break, that definitely would make an interesting combo. Because this set, it kind of seems like you want to, like, purify, like, right away. And Plague Break makes it so that you can't really purify it, so. Yeah, I feel that. That's a good combo. Kind of weirdly worded how they're like, this effect can occur once every 12 seconds. With a cooldown of 12 seconds. Like, are you yeah. aren't you just emphasizing the fact that it can only occur every 12 seconds? Yeah, I think it's emphasizing the fact that it can only be applied to one person. Whereas, okay. like, you know, Plague Break can be applied to multiple people. Okay, yeah, I buy that. That makes sense. So, yeah, that might be an interesting one, especially if people start pairing it with things like that. Plague Break, I mean, you never know. That's the last thing. Plague Break players really need is another great set to pair with but i guess you know this is a possibility all right so then we have the medium set which is the shell splitter set it adds offensive penetration for the two three and four piece on the way to a five piece where it reads that when an enemy blocks one of your attacks Increase your offensive penetration by 631 for 5 seconds. This effect can stack up to 20 times. You gain 1 stack every half second. So, basically, to get up to 20 stacks, it's going to take you, you know, a full 10 seconds. But that means that by the time you get up to full stacks, it's going to last for 5 seconds more, so... 
you're building up offensive penetration all the way to the huge uh full 631 buff and i mean you know i don't really i'm not too familiar with the cap on penetration is maybe it i don't even know if there is in pvp maybe you could clear that out for me dog but this seems like um something that would be really good especially when i break through shields and stuff like that or like um not shields penetration doesn't do shields i don't know what i'm talking about resistances if you want to bust your people's resistances especially tanky people who are holding up you know uh maybe pop and resistance pots and stuff like that this will really help in that instance yeah and especially if you're like targeting like ball groups and someone's just like blocking you can like uh, st- uh get a bunch of stacks off the guy that's blocking and then you know with that every extra penetration buff just go and wreck their rest of the ball group maybe yeah rest of the ball group rest of the you know people crowding the door or the uh you know wall whatever they broke in all that kind of fun stuff yeah yeah so what about this heavy set dog? Alright, we have the uh, Judgment of Akatosh. This will give you weapon and spell damage, max health, more max health, and then its fifth piece armor will give you a bunch of armor. And then Ooh. it reads, when you deal direct damage with the Blink, Charge, Leap, Teleport, or Pull ability, ability, you distort time on your enemy after three seconds. After three seconds, the enemy bursts with temporal energy, reducing the movement speed of all enemies within 12 meters by 70% for six seconds, and stunning them for three seconds. This effect can be blocked and can occur once every 12 seconds. So this is definitely an interesting set, and it could definitely be a catalyst for, you know, mayhem to follow with that huge AoE slow and stun. Yeah, especially if it, like, pops off on, like, if you could get the AoE to pop off on a bunch of different people and then it goes off from them, you could really cause a lot of havoc. Yeah, and I'm uh, curious if you use, like, an AoE ability, like, Streak or uh, Explosive Charge from the Templar, if the uh, multiple people will get, like, a sack of that bomb. Right, yeah, exactly. That's a, totally what I'm thinking. Like, if you could spread that around, you're just gonna be like spreading the plague, pretty much. Yeah. All right. Well, that's gonna wrap it up for our several new rewards of the worthy sets. Uh, maybe you guys will like try some of them out. Let us know if you do. I'm definitely interested in a couple of them. I feel like the medium one really might be something. I don't know. So, other than that, we do have a couple new uh, other things. There are new Alliance Emblem face markings that can be acquired by completing the associated achievements in the Alliance PvP section. I believe, if I can remember correctly, that the DC one was the best. Someone posted them online, and I'm pretty sure DC was best. But I could be a little biased there. No, I don't think you're biased. I think that's just fact. All right. Uh, and the last little uh, 
PvP changes is that there's some updates to target markers. Um, enemy players and summons can once again be marked in PvP areas. Enemy players and summons reappearing from stealth must be targeted again before their mark returns above their head. And target markers placed on enemy players uh, now clear upon their character's death. And that's all really good. That's why it was uh, disabled in the first place. Because you would be able to see people when they were stealthed or going invisible. Or you'd be able to see them, you know, respawn halfway across the map. Which is all stuff that you didn't really want to happen. And then there's a few more uh, changes here too. Uh, you can now toggle target markers off on the compass in the settings. And you can also adjust the size target. And you can also adjust the size of the target markers in, in the settings as well. Yeah, so the target system, getting worked on. Good to see because I still have not really... Uh taking full advantage of it or really i mean i guess any advantage of it but hey you know they're working out the kinks and everything making it a little bit better every update as we go so that's good to see other than that that's gonna kind of wrap up our pvp uh patch note kind of updates we do as always for you have the gray host scores albeit may Maybe a couple days late at this point. Well, at least one since we tried to record last night. But anyways, regardless of my rambling, we have the PvP scores here for you from Greyhost for each of the platforms as always. And we're going to start off with PC. Knock them out real quick. Lots of scores. So for PCNA, we've got DC at 30k, AD at 28.4, and EP at 24.8. So we've got DC in the lead. And then, of course, coming up on the EU side of things, we got DC in the lead because we're awesome and yeah there's still 21 days to go in these campaigns over on PC so plenty of time yeah and uh, continuing that awesomeness on uh, Xbox NA there's uh, 6 days left in these campaigns so these campaigns are finishing up this week um, and in first, we have DC in the lead with uh, 79k, EP in second with 72k, and AD in last with fourth, uh, 65k. And then for Xbox EU, the scores are very similar to uh, Xbox NA with uh, DC in the lead with 79k again, EP uh, with uh, 71k. And 80 and last with uh, 48k. So, Greyhill scores on Xbox and Andy, you are very similar looking like right now. Alright, so you know it's going good when we've got DC 
in the lead for four out of four so far, and we're going to see how it goes on the PlayStation side of things. We've got PlayStation scores for NA first and then EU. So first off, we've got EP in the lead for Greyhost NA on PlayStation with 75K. And then we've got... AD in second was 72.5k, and DC in third was 71k. And then for the EU side of things, we got AD in first with 93.5k, DC in second with 57k, and EP in last with 54k. So, quite a gap for those guys. AD is definitely pulling away over there. And that's going to wrap up our uh, Greyhouse scores for the week. Lots of DC in the lead. Yeah. Uh, DC winning is always a good time. Yes, always a good time. Because we get more rewards. Exactly. Gotta get that Zircon. Zircon and Transmutes. All right, dogs. So we got two brand new dungeons here from this DLC, and we, you know, we gotta cover them before we get into anything else. So we're talking the Scribes of Fate Dungeon DLC. It's the only DLC of dungeons we get for this year. So that's the first time that we're only getting two, and I hope you like them because it's all we're getting. So first off. Let's just get started with the stats. We got two new dungeons, which are Bal Sinar in Eastern Stonefalls and Scrivener's Hall in the Southern Rift. You know, the Rift and the Southern part of it. So, two new dungeons. Like I said, these are going to be only for the year, so that definitely makes it an interesting situation. Because it's the first time we've seen that. So we also have unique achievement awards that are available for completing the dungeons. Including the following. A unique skin. A unique memento. And a unique tool. Which is just intriguing in the first place. Several different titles as seemingly usual. And we also have... Unique housing items that will drop, which usually seem to drop with new dungeons as well. Maybe they'll have some extra cool ones because there's no other dungeons this year. Alright, Doc, so do you want to cover some of the sets for uh, our first dungeon, Balsanar? Sure, I'll go over uh, the first set. This is going to be a Right Master's Bond. This is going to be the Light Armor set. And it's a fifth uh, passive or eats uh, healing an ally within 12 meters with a direct heal creates a 15 meter tether between you for 10 seconds. This effect can occur once every 15 seconds. You and allies touching the tether are healed every second and scaling off the higher of your max magicka or stamina. If you or an ally is overhealed by the tether, they gain minor heroism for 1.5 seconds. This is uh, definitely an interesting set, considers it works on all allies and not just uh, group members, um, which is 
pretty nice. But uh, the problem with it is that you need to have someone who knows what the tether does to for it to be truly effective. And like, you know, PvP or uh, PvE, but I could see this set. I could see this set being very useful in PvP, being able to heal like a whole line of people all at once. Yeah, and so for these dungeons, we're just going to be tossing the five sets at you guys for uh, sake of time. So as Dog said, the first one we had, we had the Right Master's Bond, which was the Light, and then we also have the Nexthound's Howl for the Medium, which reads that completing a fully charged heavy attack applies major cowardice to your target. For one second per 1,000 damage you have, lowering that weapon and spell damage by 430. You then gain Major Courage for the same duration, increasing your weapon and spell damage by 430. This is a definitely an uh, interesting set. Um... But for trials, most people are running, I think, Alarima or uh, more popular is uh, Spell Power Cure. So I don't think it's going to be that uh, useful. But maybe in something like Dungeons where there's uh, something else that the healer might want to run or in like uh, PvP, uh, that might act, this might be a decent set too. So. It it does have a long cooldown on it, though. All right. Uh, the next set we have is uh, Telvani Enforcer. This is going to be the heavy armor set. And then its fifth piece pa- uh, item set reads, While bracing, increase your magic recovery by 369. While you're not bracing, increase your stamina recovery by 369. So I think this is a pretty uh, matte set. Um, I'm not really one who's like, oh, I like magic recovery or stamina recovery. I don't really like recovery, so recovery can be nice, but I don't know. Having a full five set armor piece for recovery kind of seems like a waste to me. And especially when the uh, recovery is not very much to begin with. And as interesting as those sets sound, we do have the monster set to cover for you guys, which is going to bring us to the monster set, the Rokes, the Warped. Is that a Roxy? Roki? Roxa, I would pronounce that as. Roxa, okay. And yeah, so let's get right into it. At first, it's going to add 70 to all three of your recoveries. All the stamina and magicka. So for the two piece, each second that you're in combat, you're going to gain a stack of dark light, up to 30 stacks max. Each stack of dark light increases your stamina recovery, magicka recovery, and health recovery by 8 each. Each second you're out of combat, you lose a stack of dark light. So how's this one looking, dog? 
All right. Well, uh, at 30 stacks, it's a uh, 240 extra recovery. And, you know, like I said before, doesn't really seem very worth it, uh, especially if it's not a lot of recovery. 240 recovery is like uh, two uh, items that uh, like two, three or four pieces. So, yeah, it, was that like one spell? Yeah. So it definitely not very good, but I guess uh, this set like, would be better than the heavy armor set because it is a monster set. So, yeah, I'm going to go for the two piece instead of the uh, you know whole thing on the five. Yeah, I th I think if the stacks were more, it would be uh, more viable, but 240 just isn't enough. Alrighty, uh, that finishes up the Bal Sunar sets. Uh, next up, we have uh, Scrivener's Hall sets. The uh, first one's going to be Rune Carver's Blaze. This is going to be the light armor set. Its uh, fifth piece item reads Your damage over time effects deal additional flame damage every third damage tick. Uh, this damage scales off your weapon or spell damage. Uh, this might be useful for like AOE dots since they take every second. Uh, but for sets that take every other second, it doesn't really look that good. Um, I think that its main use would be on like a Dragonite where you do a lot of like uh, tinier dots that like proc off of it's like a burning and all that kind of stuff. Plus, it's fire and Dragonites do more fire damage. So. I think if this set's going to get any uh, pickup, it's going to be from Dragon Knights, the Mag DKs. The uh, second set's going to be uh, Apocryphal Inspiration, the medium armor set. And its fifth item reads, You and group members within 28 meters of you gain major fortitude, major intellect, and major endurance, increasing your health recovery, magic recovery, and stamina recovery by 30%. So this is a, you know, medium armor set. So I can, I imagine for a medium or a, for a medium armor healer, you know, stand heals. Although you could apply it on weapons and jewelry for a magical healer, but uh, you know, I think if you're gonna run stamina healer with a meh heals, you're gonna have a meh item set, I guess, because. Those named buffs for only 30% Magicka on a 5th piece item set is just uh, not very good in my book. So, what do you think, Bob? What do you think about uh, this set right here? This one definitely seems interesting. I mean, it's basically giving me the same buffs as like taking a Crown Tri-Sat or really any Tri-Sat version. In that sense, it frees you up if you're having to use that to like kind of Mix around with your potions, especially since it gives you to uh, your group members too. That's a really cool thing. I mean, I don't know if it's gonna be crazy blowing the park out of the water for like Olurima and stuff, but you never know. And for the last set of this dungeon, we have the Abyssal Brace set, the heavy set. Now, for the five piece, this has got two different buffs. It adds 1740 max health. And then, as well, 
It reads, well, you are bracing you and group members within 12 meters of you gain major evasion, reducing damage from area attacks by 10%. So, I mean, bracing is just blocking, right? Yeah. That's definitely an interesting one. To have it on, like, my back bar or something. Yeah, could be. Definitely uh, interesting, but there's probably better sets to use for tanking. Especially since uh, 10% in uh, like veteran content isn't going to change very much. Especially when a lot of like the big killer things are, I think, generally uh, either one-shot mechanics or direct damage. Kind of like single target, so... All right, and then uh, the last set we have from Scrivener's Hall is the monster set, which is the uh, o- Ozazan the Inferno. Uh, it's gonna get this one's gonna give you magical recovery on its one piece, and then its second piece is gonna read: Overhealing yourself or an ally grants them forty-two seventy-two armor for one point one seconds. Healing yourself for an ally grants them minor vitality for 1.1 seconds, increasing their healing receipt by 8%. So this could be a decent set if 4k armor made an impactful difference in PvE. But I've tried and uh, having that extra armor doesn't really having it uh, doesn't really make a difference. Uh, so it's not really good for PvE in my opinion. For a PvP, though, 4k armor definitely helps. And I think this is a decent set for defensive PvP where you can, like, stand around in a healing spring, circle on a flag, or fall in, like, battlegrounds. Um, or if you're, like, in an inner keep with defensive siege, you can, like, stand around and just uh, heal people, heal people on, like, defensive siege, that kind of stuff. Make sure people don't get bombed. Or if they do get bombed, they have that extra 4,000 armor. If the timer was like two seconds long, it would work with the like sticky heals like group vigor or radiant regeneration, which would make this set very useful and much more not like a niche thing. Because but because of its only like one second buff, this uh, monster set is a very circumstantial set. So, definitely an interesting set, but very circumstantial. Yeah, this is definitely an interesting set. I mean, it does have reminiscent of, like, a lot of these other overhealing sets. It does seem like that's kind of the road they're going down. I mean, overhealing does happen often in this game, considering how powerful healing is. You have a lot of heals over time going off. So... It's nice that it grants allies things too, even when a heal over time is ticking off of you. They get extra armor. The only thing that I'm really bummed about this set is that it's just 1.1 is just too short. Maybe if it was like a little higher, then I think it would, this set would have a real chance of becoming very meta. Yeah. Alright, so that is going to get us through the sets. And the uh, little bit of description we had for these two dungeons, just some stats behind them. 
and the five pieces of the sets. As always, you guys can go check out the full things on the forums over there. Or just hop up in-game if you're on PC. You got a whole uh, brand new thing to check out. If, especially if you're intrigued by these sets, definitely make sure you go check them out. Go farm them. So this is going to lead us right into our Robots Radio podcast break. And we just want to remind you all that we are part of the oh-so-wildly-popular Robots Radio Podcast Network, where if you check out robotsradio.net, you will find all kinds of shows that you will fall in love with. Mean Dog guarantee them or your money back guaranteed. Which, you know, will be nothing because if you're giving us your money, then we're not getting it. So we need to talk. I'm just kidding. But anyways, go check out robotsradio.net and uh, find out a new show you love. And, you know, after the commercial, wait around and come back to hear us talk more. Update 37. Have you ever wondered how deep the Elder Scrolls lore rabbit hole goes? Have you got a grasp of the basics and want to find out more about the universe? Written in Uncertainty is here to help you. We'll be mixing in philosophy, theology, and whatever other theory is useful with Elder Scrolls texts to untangle some of the biggest questions in the series, like what are dragon breaks, how does Chim work, where did the Dwemer go, and more. Check us out at writteninuncertainty.com or find Written in Uncertainty on any podcatcher. Thanks for listening and catch you later in the grey maybe of Tamriel. All right, all right, dogged. So we are back with update 37 uh, patch notes, and it's going to be a great time. We got plenty to cover, so let's get right into it. First off, uh, you may have noticed already if you're on PC, we have new reset timers for the dailies and weeklies. So Many of our new daily timers have been aligned to the same time as the daily login reward, which is 3 a.m. UTC for European servers and 10 a.m. UTC for North American servers. Dog Pop Quiz, what does UTC stand for? Uh, Universal Time Code. All right. Points for you. Yeah, so for uh, NA, that's uh, 3 a.m. PDT and 6 a.m. EDT, because we're in daylight savings time right now. And Dog, he went and did the actual work, so I figured he should get to tell you guys that. (laughs) I mean, it's just a quick Google search, but... Hey, man, you deserve it. So, (laughs) (laughs) there you go. 3 a.m., um... It's kind of a weird time, but, you know, you wake up and the things are reset. That's probably, like, for the best. Yeah. So, Dog, what are the things that are now resetting at this magical uh, universal time code time? All right. Or you have the activity finders, first of the day, participations and wins. You have daily enlightenment experience gains. You have your daily quests and endeavors. You have your daily writs and hireling mails. And there's a note here. The crafting hireling rank 3 passes, which used to send 12 hours after the last one, will now send 
We'll now send mail daily with double the materials. So that's nice. Yeah, I really like that because I, I don't think I was cashing in on those double ones very often. I sure wasn't. Yeah, because that's pretty hard to keep track of. So definitely we'll get a lot more now just from logging in to do my writs on each character. Yeah. And then lastly, a variety of other miscellaneous items, including the writing seal training, uh, the fence, and the laundry limits, and remain silence uh, daily. Go, you go talk to him, and you see, he said, like, what do you want? You pick one. Yeah, you pick one of the freaking things that I still haven't gotten. Maybe I have gotten it. I don't know. Yeah, actually, I think I did get it. it. Yeah, the uh, lead for, yeah, because I started using Gizitha, so I did get it. But it took me a while. Yeah. And then uh, lastly, several weekly timers have been aligned to reset on Tuesdays at the same time as the daily resets, including the trial, solo, and battleground uh, leaderboards, the weekly quests, and black sacraments, and event tickets. Yeah, so they regulated a whole crap ton of stuff, pretty much. Probably for the better, but, you know, I was so used to all the random times that it will be an adjustment, for sure. I I think that means everything just has one reset time now, so that's nice. Yeah. So we also got some housing quality of life improvements. Added additional filters to the placement and retrieval tabs of the housing editor. You can now filter by whether the placed item is coming from your bank, inventory, house storage, or collectibles, which is really nice. Also, whether the furnishing is bound or unbound, and which furnishing limit type the furnishing falls under. So, you know, collectibles, etc., um, those are all, uh, some helpful things for sure. Nice to be able to filter things down when you have like a hundred thousand housing items. Yeah. And more coming every update. Yeah. A plethora more every update. Are you wanting to like switch off each one? Uh, sure. Okay. Uh, the next one is that uh, while in combat with at least one ch- training dummy, the show housing panel key by now changes to reset training dummies, which allows you to easily receive reset all training dummies you are in combat with. Which is definitely a nice feature for, uh, you know, those times where you have to do a parse and someone, you know, I don't know, throw a sh- accidentally threw a shard down or something. So, yeah, I like that was one of the most irritating thing for me as you finish killing the dummy and then uh it comes up and one of your dots is still on the ground and it hits it and then you have to wait for it to reset yeah they also said that the home's current occupants are now listed in the settings section of the housing editor you can also kick out occupants of your home from this menu if they've overstayed their welcome which, you know, we all have that guy who just travels into our house and shows up and stands on your blacksmithing table you're crafting. So 
So the home's occupants are notified when people enter or depart the home via a message in the top right corner. So I guess you didn't even know when people were showing up before. Which also, like, I guess I don't really have a lot of people, like, travel into my house or I'm not paying attention when they do, but I also felt like that was kind of a thing. Maybe I'm just, like, thinking of how, like, I'll see the group thing light up because you're close to me all of a sudden when you travel to the house. But yeah, not so much as, like, a dog bark has arrived. Yeah. So that's good to have, especially that everyone in the house sees it. Uh, there is now an interface option that allows you to hide the house checker when in a home, which is the UI element that tells you the name of the home and homeowner as well as the current population of the home. Yeah, so lots of stuff with the housing. And they also have uh, an update that says, while previewing a home, Placing your target reticule over a furnishing will now outline the furnishing and display its name. So that's cool. So if you are like in the house and you're like, oh man, what is that? It's so much easier to tell you after like trying to look it up or ask or you just know. Yep. And then the uh, last one is the purchase options dialog for our home now allows you to preview the full list of furnishings in the current selected template, furnished or unfurnished. So that's nice if you uh, are if you like something and you want to know what it is or not, I guess. If you want to know what it is. Yeah, so lots of housing stuff. The the housing mansers rejoice. A lot of it sounds, you know, um, you know, kind of behind the scenes and technical. But, you know, if you don't do housing, you may be like, who even cares about this? But believe me. They are big changes and probably things that people have been honestly requesting. Alright, so let's get on to the next, which is screen narration. Which, uh, you know, it's good that they're working on. It's good to have accessibility, so... They added a new option in the accessibility settings panel for screen narration. Once you've enabled the setting, you can choose to have a male or female voice, set the spread of the narration, and the volume of the narrating voice. Note that you must have accessibility mode turned on in order to use this feature. Most UI screens in ESO will be fully narrated, and you should be able to move around between UI screens and screen narration support. So, uh, the narration supports all official language languages and is computer-generated in the language of the client. For example, if you are playing on the Spanish client, you will hear screen narration in Spanish. While the UI navigation portions of most screens on the accessibility menu are supported, there are some menu screens that will not be otherwise narrated at this time, including scrying, excavating tales of tribute, lockpicking, some elements of fishing, and the champion point screen. Then there's a few uh, bullet points after this as well. The first one reading, uh, additional menu screens will be integrated into narration over time. The second one being, uh, the game startup and login flow are not currently narrated. You must log into the game first before the narration will start. 
And the last one is gameplay, such as combat, in-world navigation, and interactive objects are not narrated. Response options when interacting with NPCs are also not narrated to ensure screen narration does not conflict with voice acting. To ensure uh, screen narration does not conflict with voice acting, character dialogue is not included in screen narration. So the last few is just like a few caveats with the, the screen narration system. But overall seems uh, pretty good for uh, those who need it. All right, so that is going to get us through uh, the UI onto the combat paragraph. So we grabbed the main two, and there is more in the patch notes, but it's mostly added or changed stuff that we're going to mention later on throughout the notes. So we grabbed the main two, and... Uh, Dog, do you want the first or the second one? Uh, I'll take the second one. Alright. So, uh, let's start it right off. It says, The largest widespread adjustment in this update is some iterative work on Update 35's adjustment to light attacks. One of our main goals in Update 35 was to reduce the amount of light attack weaving in terms of high and damage production, where it was still a vital tool to incorporate, while simultaneously trying to shorten the delta between those who try and engage with it and those who are masters of it. But we learned a lot, but we had to make some compromises that hurt our overall goals where the end result was just a flat nerf to light attack weaving in general. Which, yeah, we all remember that. I mean, some people were so upset. That, that was like a mass exodus or like people taking a break from ESO. But it's good to see that they're like going back to look at it because it's been a little while. And uh, no one's really sure really where that direction was headed. Yeah. And then it continues with, uh, in this update, they're trying to keep the power of light attacks within a... 5% deviation of their highest production in an optimized build, while drastically increasing their performance for players who aren't super optimized. We're also implement implementing a new feature on all damaging light attacks where their scaling calculations of how they derive their damage can be inflated compared to before, with a cap at how much they can reach with base stats such as weapon or spell damage and magicka or stamina. This base cap will be 3850 for melee attacks and 90% of that for range attacks, which is within 100 to 200 damage deviation from the base damage of some of the highest parses we are seeing in game. Note that this base damage cap is not a cap in terms of how much damage they can do in general. This number is purely this number is purely how much the damage can reach with your stats such as weapon or spell damage. This base damage cap will then feed into the rest of the combat calculation system with things such as crit bonuses, damage bonuses, mitigation, and so on. So that 3850 can still return a much higher value in actual combat situations. So they are uh, doing a lot of light attack changes. These are all, I think, pretty good. Um, 
the main biggest one or the main like probably the most important combat change is that there are no large overarching combat changes outside of like a few things. I think the biggest one is uh well vampire and harmony, but we'll get to that later. All right. So, uh as far as other combat updates go, past, you know, them uh working on this other stuff, we do have a few more. So, bar swapping, well, you well, you are actively bracing holding block will no longer temporarily disable block. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure there's going to be a lot of people happy about that. This should significantly reduce the situations of dying while bar swapping. Tanks, rejoice. Your power will no longer no bounds. They are now the troll king. Yeah, like... Um, I, I just like that took a long time to fix, man. Yeah, can you believe that there were some people angry about this change? Um, yeah, but I don't know. I don't, I don't know why there would be, but <laughs> yeah, I, I can believe that there is. <laughs> yeah, it it was one of those like out of all the things you could be mad at, you chose that to be mad at okay right (laughs) yeah and i'm sure there will be plenty of more stuff like that later honestly (laughs) yeah probably all right the next uh kind of tanking quality of life things is that uh abilities and item sets that pull a singular target will now also attempt to taunt the target for 15 seconds if they are not already affected by a player taunt this applies to the following sources Beckoning armor, fiery grip, and unrelenting grip. Silver leash, swarm mother. And then there's a dev comment on here. In a previous update, we removed a feature referred to as a soft taunt that was seen on a few of these sources, which at the time was actively causing complications with targets becoming taunt immune or taunt or untauntable. We found a much better long-term solution after investigating this for a while with a lot less weird hitches or interactions. Now when you use an ability against a target, it will check if the target is already taunted. If they are not, it will taunt them. If they are already taunted, it will continue to pull the target and all the other listed effects, but the taunt from the pull will not apply. This should help give more power of control to those who need to taunt targets. While simultaneously while simultaneously allowed non-tanks to still utilize these abilities without getting clobbered in situations such as the twins in Maul of Orkaj. So uh, this is definitely a good uh, change. That way that, you know, when you pull in a melee person and they immediately go run after the uh, bow guy sitting in the back sniping, they that no longer happens. They just stay taunted. So that's good. All right, and then moving on, we've got another one, and it says that they made some adjustments to taunts sourced from player abilities, such as Puncture or Inner Rage, to improve their user experience when interfacing with the taunt immunity mechanic. And they go on to say about this one, 
that enemies will now only become taunt immune after they're taunted five times between two unique targets, up from three times, to reduce the likelihood of applying it unintentionally. And then we've got a dev comment on this too. They say that we're reducing the chances of running into the frustrating experiences of taunt immunity when there are multiple taunt users in a group, while also preparing for the fact that a few more abilities will now attempt to taunt enemies. We're still keeping taunt immunity, though, to prevent situations where you can abuse monster AI, as they often get confused and are sensitive to all of the mean things they hear shouted at them. Well, so am I, Gina. So am I. Uh, oh, hopefully, uh, with these changes, the bosses in front at uh, Frostfault will uh, accept taunt now instead of just like you know chase around the random DPS while the tank chases after it, trying to taunt it again. That was uh, interesting. And then you know, if we're crazy, maybe even old Jada of Ice Reach can be taunted now. I don't think she's ever been able to be taunted, so you could try, but it wouldn't work. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes it's better to try, even if it doesn't work. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I normally try whenever I'm tanking that dungeon, and I'm always kind of like, well... I'm disappointed, but I should not have been disappointed because, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, they also added uh, two new help entries under the combat header to explain named buffs and debuffs in the major and minor system. Knowledge. Now, there's uh, you know a couple puns that I was, was going to go here, and I couldn't decide which one, so I'm just going to do both of them, right? The first one is, you know, the more you know. Right. Man, Bob's reaction is not good. Maybe this one will be, will be better. So knowing is half the battle. Because it's combat. And you know more stuff about the combat system. Oh. Well, there uh -oh. you go. The more you know. Yeah, see, you you did it. <laughs> there you go. All right, so it looks like we have some class changes coming up, Don. Or is it just combat relate changes related to classes? Or uh, I think there it's a bit of both. Yeah, it's a bit of both. All right, for sure. So we've got the Dragon Knight first, and. They, uh, it looks like they changed the Helping Hands passive. This passive now requires the ability cost of what triggered it to be greater than the restored amount of stamina to prevent situations where you could gain more stamina than you had spent as Magicka. They increased the restored amount of stamina to 1120 up from 990. So, there you go. A little bit of an interesting change. There's a dev comment to go with it, so they say, There are currently a myriad of ways to use this passive in unintended ways, allowing for situations where you can essentially get infinite stamina. 
Many have cleverly paired cost reduction with Ash Cloud when we changed the ability to cost per tick. And while we appreciated the clever interaction, it's ultimately invalidating the need of stamina resource management for the class in the tank role. We're adjusting this passive to only work when you've spent more resources than it can generate. And we're slightly bumping up the stamina restore so this doesn't create a situation of an overall nerf. Sounds pretty complicated and technical, but I definitely am not surprised that people have found a way to get infinite stamina. That sounds about right, honestly. Yeah, sounds like something some people would do. Like PvP players. Alright, the uh, next one is uh, Empowering Change has been renamed to Chains of Devastation. This morph now grants Major Berserk for 4 seconds after casting. Rather than Empower, as Molten Arminance already grants it in a much more effective way. As such, this morph is... As such, this morph was renamed to better denote its effects, such as Devastation was our intention. Well, alright. Yeah. That's one way to put it. Not really sure I like uh, DK's having a... I think that's a gap closer for them that... uh allows them to give make themselves stronger for four seconds but yeah for real like here they come and now they're more powerful yep and we have one last one for dk's shackle they increase the damage of this synergy by 20 percent to ensure it stands up to the other ultimate synergy's power Which ultimate is that one from? The standard? Yeah. Okay. You know, the, the only one that you synergize? Yeah, I guess so, right? Um, Dang, that's actually a pretty big increase. Yeah. By 20%? That might be showing up in PvP. I mean, it already does, but not really. <laughs> not really in, like, uh... I know yeah, it, but I mean, people... maybe like dropping that on a flag and having people synergize it. Yeah. Well, Harmony Build's got nerfed though, right? So, I mean. Yeah. Alright, dog. So now we have the best class in its combat changes. What do we got? Well, you said the best class, so I would assume Templar, but. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, I was more like you could start us off, but yes, you are still correct that I'm right about the best class. <laughs> You're right, it is Templar. And uh, the first change, there's only really one change for Templar. It is uh, Empowering Sweep has been renamed to Everlasting Sweep. And they increase the duration of the pulsing damage over time to 10 seconds at base, up from 6 seconds. And this morph no longer grants them power, such as Solar Flare. And its morphs already uh, grant this buff. As such, the name has been adjusted to prevent confusion. All right, now that we went, now that we did the best class, now that we, we the, uh, now skipped all over the notes, just so <laughs> <you did. laughs> I was like, "What? What is going on right now? <laughs> what do you mean? I didn't skip over any of the notes. Yeah, you see sure. right there." Oh, yeah, all of a sudden, there it is. Yeah. The magical copy and paste. 
<laughs> no, it's not copy and paste. It's cut and paste. Mm. Well, what do you want from me? Not hip on the lingo. But I am hip on the necromancer changes. So we've got Grave Robber, the morph. They reduce the damage of this synergy by approximately 34% to ensure it is of similar power to other synergies of its ilk, such as Conduit or Combustion. So they basically nerfed the crap out of that. Full rip. Yeah. Rest in peace, the uh, necro macro bomber. Yeah, the freaking synergy for it for sure is toast. Yeah. I mean, it'll still work as an effective AoE for like PvE yeah. and stuff, but yeah, that synergy is done. And then uh, I guess I'll just finish off the Necro since Dog just went and did his Templar. They also uh, have a change for Death Gleaning. This passive now restores 666 Magicka. They did that on purpose. And Stamina. When a nearby enemy dies, up from 200. Hey, that's actually a pretty good increase, too. Now, they have a developer comment for this. And it says, For Masters of Death, Necromancers can often find themselves out of fuel, even when there are corpses littering the battlefield. To try and remedy this without tipping the scales too far in areas where Necromancer is already doing well, we're increasing these bonuses by a decent amount. There you go. I'm liking it. I'm all for it. I will say the new number uh, definitely suits the class. So, Like I said, they did that on purpose. Yeah. You know whoever was sitting there like, ho oh, oh, ho, I got... Something up my sleeve for this one, guys. Just wait. Yeah, it's probably originally going to be like 650. But then they're like, no, no, no. This is a necromancer, all right? We have to put 666 in here because it makes <laughs> sense. It makes sense. Yeah. All right, dog. So what about for the sorcerer? All right. So there's a, quite a bit here for the sorcerer. Mainly the big one here is a conjured warden. They uh, increase the damage shield size of this ability and the regenerative ward morph by 10%. They increase the max health cap of these abilities to 55%, up from 50%. This ability and its morph now dynamically scale between the higher of your max health or magicka, rather than only magicka. So now this works for tanks too. Or even stam classes if you're really tanky, but... And then there's also the Hardened Ward Morph, which increases the damage shield size of this morph by approximately 7%, and increase the max health and increase the max health cap to 72%, up from 60%. So yeah, that's a lot. And then there is a dev comment on here, and it reads: uh, "Shields are your primary defense for." Shields are a primary defense identity for the Sorcerer class, but since the balance adjustments for to shields in the year past, uh, the class has struggled a bit, a little bit to keep up defensive in ways that help reinforce this feeling. We're making a targeted adjustment to try and help their core class shield to make them stand out above others, while avoiding the current concerns of shield stacking in years past. 
we're hoping this also helps the class's kill potential go up a little in PvP environments where they don't have to spend as much time recasting shields and heals to avoiding death, and they can spend an extra second or so spell singing on the offensive. We're also hoping the dynamic scaling of Magicka or Health will help out those few Sorcerer tanks out there have a shinier tool in their kit. Well, I'll tell you, I don't need any more Sorks doing any more spell slinging on the offensive, <laughs> in my personal opinion. They have plenty of time to sling spells, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Mainly when they're, you know, shrieking away. Yeah, I was going to say, when they're <laughs> shrieking away from me, and turn around. Oh, crystal frags right in my face. Yeah. Although I'm, I don't I don't know how this is will help prevent uh shield stacking because they increase the shield by so much. I think the idea is that like maybe they won't use a second shield, but let's be honest, people are probably going to be using a second shield with this. So pretty much put it back to like what it used to be before they nerfed it. I think. Yeah. Those were dark days, so yeah. Could get pretty ugly in Cyrodiil. Those sorks, man. Alright, so next we have Conduit. They increase the damage of this synergy by 20% to ensure it stands up by to the other synergy's power when accounting for the fact that it also only does damage. So there you go. Another 20% increase for a synergy. Meanwhile, Boneyard Mine got the decrease. So great. Yeah, I think it's because it was already doing a lot more damage, and it also debuffs if you have it. Well, more I more. know why. I'm just saying. Well, I'm it just hurts. Saying that, you know, more people use right. conduit than uh, boneyard. So, yeah. And, you know, let's call pet sorks. People run pet sorks. All they do. You're not wrong about that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, and the last one for sorcerer is mage's fury. They increase the size of the area effect portion of this ability, and it's marked to 5 meters up from 4. And they also have Mage's Wrath Morph. This morph now deals its execute damage to all new targets nearby, rather than dealing an initial hit and a smaller amount of damage to nearby targets. This will result in an approximate 129% increase of the area of effect, while also causing the ability to appear under the same identity ID for combat logs. So uh, trash mobs in normal dungeons will now be zapped to death by sorcerers. And I like that because I use that on my sword killer. So and any any bit of the damage I have helps and goes a long way. Not so excited for that in uh, BBP, but. That's how yeah. it goes. I mean. That's just like, uh, do we do we really need to with the. With the Mage's Wrath, I guess we'll find out later if uh, the Snipe guy also snuck Snipe in to get buffed somehow. Maybe. We, I guess we'll find out after we do the Warden class. Of course, the Wardens. So, we've got the Wardens, the first of their uh, changes is going to be the Cutting Dive Morph. So 
This morph no longer requires the enemy to not be off balance for the damage over time to apply, and will now apply any time it deals damage. That's awesome, because, yeah, like, if you're in, like, a PvE setting, all your guys are always off balance, but not so much in PvP, especially when you're using a skill like Cutting Dive, which is, like, at distance. It's not always so easy to set that enemy off balance. So that's a good change. Yeah. The next skill we have is a Crystallized Shield. This ability and the Shimmering Shield Morph now grant two ultimate when the shield takes damage rather than restoring magic cut equal to 22% of the ability's cost. We increase the cost of this ability and its morphs to 4320 up from 3780. And they reduce the shield strength of this ability and the Shimmering Shield Morph by approximately 33%. Then you also have the Crystallized Slab Morph. This morph no longer grants Magicka or the new Ultimate Restore when the shield takes damage in exchange for the damage done in stun. This morph does retain the original size of the damage shield. And they reduce the damage per hit of this morph by approximately 33%. So I believe this one loses like the, uh, you know, the Magicka and Ultimate uh, utility and just uh, goes for the damage and stun. And then there is the depth comment here. And it reads, currently this ability and its morphs are enabling too much defensive power for the Warden against ranged opponents. While simultaneously allowing them to keep up the ability with ne next to no cost. In order to peel back some of the power in those regards, we're increasing the cost and removing the self-sustaining portion, while also trying to give some love back with ultimate regeneration. While doing this, we're also trying to differentiate the more power you pick from, where Slab is more about shaking off ranged builds and being more defensive, while Shimmering doubles down on the juicy ultimate generation. Definitely seems like kind of a big nerf, honestly. Yeah. Well, at least, like, a big change. Yeah, it's definitely different. Um, I don't really use that, so I don't really know, you know? Yeah, honestly, that's, like, one of the few skills I don't really use too much as a warden. But uh, that finishes up our uh, classes, our class changes. Nice. So it looks like now we have some skill line changes. Or weapon yep. changes. Give some weapon changes. So first off, we have the Destruction Staff and its big change. Well, it looks like its only change is going to be Wall of Elements. All versions of this ability and its morse will now display a hostile telegraph to enemies. Wall of Frost and its morse will now apply Minor Breach and reduce the movement speed of enemies by 40% for 4 seconds when damaging a chilled target, rather than immobilize them for four seconds. And they say, in efforts to help... This is a depth uh, comment. In efforts to help reduce the amount of passive crowd control in the game, we're shifting the power of Wall of Frost's control to a snare, rather than an immobilize, while helping it gain some more use cases in PvE parts of the game. I don't really know how much I'd say that that will make people play it more, but I don't know. It is a bit of an interesting change. Uh, the next one is uh, Two-Handed, and this is going to be the Wrecking Blow Morph. 
This morph now also grants Major Berserk for five seconds. Now it's uh, really time to wreck it, is what Gina said. And, you know, congrats to all the Ralphs out there. So. And apparently my uh, puns are just not working today at all. I uh, you know. It was not uh, a movie that I ever watched, so I guess that must be the problem there. Oh. But I know it existed. Yeah, it's Disney. Come on. And there's the two of them. That (laughs) doesn't mean anything, dog. Okay, coming from the guy who can't make it through the Hunger Games without falling asleep. Okay, that's because the you know the first movie you and know, the first four like, of hour it. is boring. All right, so just fast forward to the, the jungle, man. But then I don't know what's going on. You read the book, yeah, but that I forgot what the book was. I, I haven't read the book in like ten years. Oh my god, here we go. Okay, so back to Elder Scrolls. Um. We have some more changes for you guys, some skill line stuff. We have the vampire skill line. Now, for this one, they're going to change misform. They're going to change it big time. This ability and its morphs are no longer a toggled ability to reduce your damage taken from players or grant crowd control immunity while active. Instead, they now teleport you to the position of your cursor up to a maximum of 15 meters away, and reduce your damage taken from the next three projectiles by 100% while teleporting. Casting any of these abilities will increase the cost of the ability by 33% for for, for 4 seconds. The base cost is now 40-50 per cast, which reduces to 37-80 at a rank 4 of the base ability. So, yeah, now you're really going to be able to, like, teleport. So, that's going to be interesting. Um, Especially for a Nightblade vampire. Oh, gosh. So, they also uh, changed the morph Elusive Mist. This morph now grants Major Expedition and Major Evasion for four seconds after reappearing, rather than just Major Expedition. Another buff. And then for Blood Mist, this morph now causes you to deal damage around you and heal for 45% of the damage caused once every 2 seconds over 20 seconds after activating the ability, rather than once every second while active. And they also increase the damage per tick by approximately 9%. So, there you go. It's interesting stuff for sure, and we do have a dev comment on it as well. So it says, this skill has been a wild ride for the past eight years, and while we tried to preserve the original skill as much as we could with the rework, we've run into far too many issues with how the skill was used and how it operated, and its current iteration doesn't have enough use between all gameplay types. While it was a widely used skill and could be a lot of fun to play with, It was creating many unhealthy gameplay implications in both PvE and PvP, and was being used in ways that didn't feel very vampiric in nature. We've decided to go back to the drawing board to hit on what the original skill was trying to evoke in terms of feel and use. 
To try and retain the element of slipping into mist and evading attacks, we've shifted the skill into more of a movement-oriented ability, rather than a pure utility and defensive one, causing you to slip into the mist temporarily to evade projectiles and make a hasty retreat or engage. The morphs still focus on the same options as well, where elusive mist doubles down on the slippery nature of the skill while with bonuses and mitigation, while Blood Mist continues to reward those bloodthirsty playstyles with lifesteal. Also, be wary of those pesky fighters guild attackers. They know how to get they know how to get around all of these nasty new tricks. So yeah, that was a lot. Yeah. A lot to be said there. And uh well, I mean, you know, like I said, they tried to preserve the original skill as long as they could, but I think it was definitely time for a rework because even the, you know, most recent iteration of the skill at this point, it felt like it was just out of touch. Yeah, because it was like broken in PvE, they kind of made it a PvP only, and it kind of sucks since it was like a toggle and you could just have it run forever. Or seemingly forever. All right. Next up, we have uh, the werewolf. Um, this is gonna be the feeding frenzy morph, and this synergy now grants minor force and power for ten seconds, rather than only in power for five seconds. So a buff there. And then we also have the hollow of despair morph, and this morph now allows the caster to self-synergize feeding frenzy. So. Interesting little, uh, I think, little buffs there for Werewolf. Yeah, I don't know about the whole self-synergize, man. They don't really need that kind of magic powers. Well, I think that's why they give themselves minor force and power. Fair enough. So next, we got some Fighter's Guild changes. And really just one. So Trap Beast, this ability and its morphs will now only trigger ability times after they've hit a target rather than after placing and after hitting a target yeah as someone who uses uh, that skill that would definitely be a helpful change for the ability timers because a lot of times it's like i set one down and i don't know when it goes off and whatnot so well how will that make this different because it's still after it hits a target yeah, but uh, so when you placed it, it would start. It would just start start at random countdown on how long it lasts, and then when it would re-trigger, uh, it it would la- It would happen again sometimes. But so, but if you do, but if you miss your target or it sidestep, then you don't know that uh, it was like you know actually avail like you wouldn't know that it actually triggered in the first place. So. Mm, okay, that's weird. Yeah. It's good they change it then. Also, a little side tangent here, but I had a little fun uh, with this skill inside of PvP on my uh, Templar DPS PvE character, which is very squishy, by the way. But I would just be uh, sprinting, running away, and occasionally placing those down. And there's one guy in particular who was very intent on killing me but he just kept on you know running right through the trap beasts so it was very funny 
Yeah. So, also, it looks like we're going to get into some of the more random kind of stuff. The notes might start going a little quicker. Looks like we might still have some other thicker things, but if we jump around a little bit more, that's why. It's not uh, as organized. These are just, uh, you know, actual game changes to the game. So, they also did many distance-based item sets, such as Zon or Scourge Harvester. They made it where they will now properly interact with dragons, being able to apply to them when other abilities are meeting their ranged requirements and no longer instantly breaking if they're activated. So, I haven't killed a dragon in a long time, but I do wear Zon, so that's cool. Yeah. Alright, next up we have Glypho Physical Harm and Glypho Spell Harm. These enchantments will now grant weapon and spell damage rather than only weapon or spell damage. Physical harm glyphs now add 10 stamina recovery at all quantities, at all qualities, while spell harm glyphs now add 10 magic recovery at all qualities. And there's a dev comment here. And aims to continue our work on hybridization. We're merging these enchantments to grant hybrid stats. However, we still want to retain some semblance of differentiation with these glyphs. So we don't need to remove them from existence. This would actually cause a lot more problems than it seems. So we're adding a very small bonuses to each. This will this bonus will be small enough that you shouldn't feel the need to take one over the other. But if you're trying to optimize, you can play around with either to get that extra bit of power. So that this is one that I was uh, kind of curious, like what they were gonna do do for as far as hybridizing go, because they would be essentially the same thing, and they just added a little bit of uh, recovery to it. So, I mean, I get it that they're like, oh, it would cause more problems if we deleted it. Then it seems, and it's like, okay, so why do you have to make it like a joke, like? Well, there's 10 recovery. Why not just make it a real thing? Like 100 recovery. Like 10? 10 is nothing. Don't even like say, oh, well, if you, you know, if you really want to min max, no. <laughs> no. Not with it, 10. That's 30 recovery if you have three glyphs, though. They're weapon glyphs, though, aren't they? Uh, no, they're. Uh... Jewelry glyphs. Oh, the jewelry ones. Okay. That's right. I was thinking of the one that increases your weapon damage or spell damage. This weapon and spell damage, I think. Mm hmm. But I think it's always been weapon and spell damage. I think it was too. So, yeah. All right. Well, there you go. 30 whole uh, recovery. Woo! All right, dogs. So, what else do we got? Well, we have some jewelry traits. The uh, first jewelry trait is going to be bloodthirsty. Uh, this trait now grants up to two hundred and ten to three hundred fifty weapon and spell damage against enemies that are ninety percent up health, up from seventy to three hundred fifty. This will cause the trait to reach the same final results as before, but with less of a power gap between the lowest and highest qualities. So if you were holding on to any infused weapon or spell damage glyph jewelry, I would say it's probably safe to swap over to Bloodthirsty now because having infused weapon and spell jewelry glyph is not going to be more effective a majority of the time compared to Bloodthirsty now. So 
Well, there you go. Dog's calling a shot. Yeah. And then the next one they're changing is the Harmony trait. So this trait now grants you up to 880 health, magicka, and stamina when you activate a synergy per trait. Rather than increasing the healing, damage, and shielding potency of synergies by 20% per trait. And they also fixed an issue where Harmony did not interact with companion synergies. Now, before we get into it, they do have a dev, dev comment here. This trait is currently far too niche for its intended use, and is meant to be an enhancer to the Undaunted skill line and group play, but ironically is being utilized more by solo builds in PvP to instantly obliterate large groups. We're shifting this trait over to be more recovery focused, which has much more use potential between PvE and PvP, Rather than trying to continue making a value that doesn't add more insta, insta-giving potential, but still has impact enough in PvE. So, I thought they had nerfed Harmony before, but man, it looks like they're still going at it. Yeah, this is uh, definitely the death of an era of the Magcrow Bomber. So, long live the Magblade Bombers. Yeah, they still just haven't got nerfed, those Magic Blades. Yeah. They actually kind of got buffed with, uh, you know, th- some of the vampire changes. First, uh, when you sprint, you become invisible, and now you might they might just be able to teleport in. Yeah. Yeah. Although, it's kind of sad that uh, with the Macro Bomber, because I had Macro Bomber that I used last Mid-Year Mayhem, and... Yeah, it was fun. But I guess I can just, you know, trash all that gear now because the macro bomber is officially dead. Way dead. Yes. It's a true true end of a, a beautiful storm that was macros. But it's okay because I don't like macro people thinking of macros only like that for PvP anyway, so how else would they think of that though? All right, uh, next up we have uh, Pearls of El Nofe. Uh, this set now grants three ultimate when you attempt to cast an ability that consumes resources while under 50% of your dominant resource rather than five ultimate while under 30% of your of that resource. Uh, this was done to make this set more widely available to use while peeling back some of the raw power of that set. So uh, this change is definitely going to suck for like You know, the 10 people using it before this DLC uh, comes out. Um, Maybe this will, you know, double the amount of people using the Mythic now. That you can get more ultimate from 30 to 50%. I don't really think it was necessary to uh, peel back the raw power of two extra ultimate. So following up the pearls... We've got some more changes. A set of 27 new furnishing plans can be found in Gallon Reward Coffers, earned by completing Delve and World Boss daily quests in Gallon. So these plans include a variety of walls, platforms, and hearths, as well as a working door, several druid monoliths, and a variety of twisted fire song sculptures. Right, they uh, fixed a lingering issue where some antiquity lead drop rates were lower than expected, 
and this will affect the uh, following and antiquity leads. So we have some collectibles, and this will be the Ebon Dwarven Mount, specifically the Aligned Dwarven Plates and Worn Dwarven Gears. Uh, there will be seven parts of the Dwarven Scarab Pet. There are some Mythics. It's going to be the Stainless Imperial Band for Belharz's Bit. Belharz's Band. Uh, Dovros Sabaton Polyum for Dovros Sabatons. Silver Weed Cord for Harpooner's Waiting Kilt. Malakath's Brutal Thing for uh, Malakath's Band of Brutality. Uh, Ruin Blood Coil for Markin Ring of Majesty. Uh, Bloodshot Oculus and Sclerotic Tentacle for Morris Whispers. Sacred Resin for the Oaken Soul Ring. Order Etched Gallery Rail for Ring of the Hell Order. Oriel Metal Carvings for Snow Treaders. And Clan Fear Leather Strappings and Void Alloy Rivets for Spalder of Ruin. And we also have a uh, Several furnishings here too. Uh, the anvil or old, the anvil of old, old Orsinium, the brazier of frozen flame. All right, the rune carved mammoth skull. Uh, so now you can finally get ahead of those low drops. Get ahead. Yeah. You know, piece it together there myself using my head. Okay, he's still going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but also the Carville Totem, the Doimer Star Chart, Font of Oriel, Golden Idol of Morihas, the Prismatic Sunbird Feather, and the Warcaller's Painted Drum. Then there was a dev comment here, and it reads, Over the past several updates, there have been a number of issues of extremely rare or non-existent drops for some leads. In reviewing these issues, we discovered an error in the global drop rates tables that resulted in rarer than intended drop rates for many leads. These changes should get the drop rates back to the intended rates. So, you know, good luck to any antiquity delvers out there who now have increased drop rate chances for the stuff that they want. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think that maybe that will inspire people to go and do some more antiquities, you know? Yeah, maybe I'll uh, go out there and get that uh, Ebon Dwarven Mount or the uh, Dwarven Scarab. Do it. It's about time. I don't know. I I feel like it's pretty, like, you know, me, dog, to uh, just not do that because Hmm. I feel like it's just, like, you know, my style now. Apparently, I mean, I haven't done it this long, so I do it now, right? I think you made your point by not doing it this long, and you could do it now <laughs> and not change anything. I don't know. Maybe another year. All right, so we do have some Tales of Tributes for one of the last things. Uh, Tale of Tribute updates. So. Tales of Tribute NPCs are now even smarter when playing as them. Yeah, I wonder if their uh, smartness will ever cap at this point. Mm. I don't know. Probably not. I'm like, <laughs> play the Grandmaster Tales of Tribute player that's actually like a comparative like to a Grandmaster of Chess in re- real life. 
Yeah, maybe. I don't know. All right, the next one is a Tales of Tribute first win of the day. Now grants an experience bonus. And honestly, I'm surprised this wasn't a thing when it first came out. And they also finally added a um, a tribute quest starter to the crown store. Instead of forcing you to go into High Isle and see Bragas. Well, that's convenient. I'm not sure I like that. Alright, next up is a Druid Bragg's uh, self-describing text now aligns with his local vines. His vocal lines, not his local vines. Local vines, huh? <laughs> yeah. All the way up from the gram. Yeah. You know, he's a druid. He probably has, like, vine magic. Alright, so when using the refresh ability, cards will now be placed on top of your play deck in the order selected. So the last selected card will be on top. Another cool little change. Yeah. All right. The next one is uh, they adjusted the item quali quality of the tribute premier club coin and tribute uh, card sharp club coin from epic to legendary. So it's even more legendary. I almost said epic, but then I was like, wait, no, it's not long, no longer epic. So luckily, I caught myself though. Okay, so next, the Warrior Wave card now displays the gold choice on left and power choice on right to match the choice pattern of resources on other cards. And they also updated the text of several patron powers for language consistency and clarity. Their functionality, however, remains unchanged. So uh, that's our Tales of Tributes patch notes updates not too much changes just mainly looks up like some fixing stuff but yeah. uh yeah there's also a lot of bug fixes too yeah exactly so dogged what else do we got for these people all right so we have a frost fault change because you know we mentioned frost fault a couple of times earlier and we have a ice stalker and the frenzied pummeling will now correctly knock the target back and stun them. And boulder toss will no longer knock back and stun targets hit. So that's nice because that boss didn't like to work. So they're making it work better and, you know, making stuff not stun and do random stuff. So I like that. All right, and the last change that we have in the past notes is for CloudRest. The uh, Voltaic current no longer functions differently for players with a second weapon bar unlocked and are in werewolf form or have the Oaken Soul item equipped. So I guess Oaken Soul doesn't work now for CloudRest? Yeah, uh, this is definitely weird because I was under the impression that Oaken Soul didn't work in the first place for CloudRest. So I thought this was them saying, yeah, it works now, but I guess the exact opposite. I guess you can no longer be an Oak and Soul user or be a werewolf or be under level 15 in Cloudrest anymore. So 
All right, so we finally freaking made it, dogged. Even though people can't go on CloudRest anymore, <laughs> we can still finish this episode. Um, thank you guys for hanging out. It was jam-packed long one. We hope we didn't get too information droning on you there for a bit, but uh, now you know. You're all caught up, and we'll be ready for the chapter when it comes out. So, Dogged, where can the people find us? All right, you can find us on Twitter, of the at Red Diamond Cast. You can find us on our Facebook, of the Red Diamond Courier. You can find us in our ESOPC, or Xbox Guild of Heirs to Red Diamond, which you can join on the Robots Radio Discord, found at robotsradio.net. And if you check our show notes, you'll find all our awesome links. And what about you, dog? Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Xbox, Twitter, and ESOPC, all of that dogpark24. And it's going to be all the same for me at Bob Chichinsky. So thank you guys for stopping in again. We really do hope you enjoyed it. We uh, did our best to get through it all there for you. And uh, yeah, hope you have a great uh, Scribes of Fate DLC enjoyment time thing. Yeah, we'll see you guys next time. Yeah, see ya. to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. Do you love the Witcher series and are interested in learning more about the world and the history and the monsters and the characters of the Witcher? Well, this is Robots from shows like the Fallout Lorecast and the Elder Scrolls Lorecast and the Mass Effect Lorecast. And me and my buddy Toasty are now doing the Witcher Lorecast. It's available on whatever podcatcher you're listening to this on right now. And we also record it live on Monday nights on twitch.tv slash robots radio at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. So you're welcome to join us there. Again, it's the Witcher Lorecast available everywhere. Go check it out right now.